Welcome to the Cola Wars on today's Straight Shot Marketing Podcast. Marketing is everywhere. It's around your life. From what you eat to what you wear and where you go. It is a vital part of any and all business. Let's discuss the world of marketing and business as it influences everyday life with the staff of Atlanta Marketing Agency, Reformation Productions, and guests as they give it to us straight. Get ready. Take aim. Steady. Welcome to Straight Shot. Welcome, everybody. Today, we continue our series on the lessons from Coca-Cola, and today, Cola Wars. Cola Wars! Let's catch up with our story. Coke has been coasting along with its success. One product, one size, 6.5 ounces, one bottle, and one price, 5 cents. But then, in 1955, they upped the size. We'll actually talk more about that a little later. Okay. And then in 1961, Sprite was made an additional flavor. It was named after Sprite Boy. You remember Sprite Boy from the... I have the, no idea who that is. Sprite Boy was the elf next to Santa Claus that they came up with. His name was Sprite Boy Sprite because Sprite, really? Sprite is like an elf. That's where Sprite came from. I yeah. thought that he had a different name. No, his name was Sprite Boy. Uh, oh, well, I guess if they went around saying it that way. <laughs> and before that, after World War II, they added Fanta. Oh, yes, Fanta. Fantasy. Fanta. Don't you want to? Don't you want to, Fanta? <laughs> Remember, in part four, we discussed how they grew during World War II, but now they found themselves at war. Once it was Allies versus Axis, now it's Coke versus Pepsi. Uh, let's, give, let's give a little bit of backstory, because the Cola Wars in general could have been completely avoided. Mm. Yeah, okay, so Pepsi Cola was started as Brad's Drink. That's a that's a marketable name, isn't it? Brad's this is Brad's Drink. Drink. So it kind of tells me that only Brad <laughs> is the target demographic. In 1898 by Caleb Bradham, a pharmacist in uh, New Bern, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Similar to Coke, it was marketed for medicinal qualities, but it was always meant to be a drink, unlike Coke, which was originally intended just to be a medicine. Right. But Pepsi was pepsin which aided with digestion, and cola nut. So in 1902, it was renamed to Pepsi-Cola. Yes. Way better than Brad's drink. <laughs> Way better. Far more marketable. The company actually went out of business because of the sugar shortages that happened during World War I, and Bradham, well, he went back to being a pharmacist in a drugstore. Shortly after, Loft Candies, a retail chain, wanted special treatment from Coca-Cola and asked for a discount to distribute Coca-Cola in their stores. Coke said no. And in retaliation, the owner bought Pepsi-Cola out of bankruptcy. Now that is a spiteful man. (laughs) But with only Loft Candy stores for distribution, they found themselves again on the verge of bankruptcy. So at this point, Charles Guff offered to sell the business to Woodruff at Coca-Cola, and again, he told him no. Okay, right right there, okay? It's a lot of no. Right there, we have a missed opportunity. Coke could have bought up their competition, shut them down, and avoided 
the color wars uh yeah think of it as like netflix and blockbuster um right, yes right which which netflix mm-hmm. had the opportunity no blockbuster, blockbuster had the opportunity to buy netflix and they didn't do it and do you guys remember blockbuster happened? no that's why <laughs> <laughs> yes because after that no guff doubled down he bought used beer bottles that were twice as big as coke now that's 12 ounces now right. and began selling twice as much product at the same cost. And Pepsi turned a profit inside six months. They did. Now, so you can see the the campaign. We've laid out some photos of the displays uh, of the campaign over a couple of radio spots that they use. So uh, we're going to play those. Uh, Enjoy. Wow. You could tell that they're catchy. What they did is they found something that made them special, right? Now they were twice as big for the same cost, and then that's what they hammered. Now, did you feel the time period, right? Yes, I did. (laughs) The music, the cartoon cops. Um, Well, then World War II happened. Now, the sugar rationing almost put Pepsi Cola out of business again. Yeah, and at the time, Pepsi was known as the poor man's drink. In the 50s, Pepsi was poured into Coke bottles when people were entertaining because Pepsi had such a bad image, a well, lower class image. That's that's one of the things that you get when um, when you, you try to market on price, which is what they did, right? When they say that we have twice as much for, for the, same cost. the same cost, that means that you're half as valuable. Right. Not right? everybody likes a bargain. So, no, not everybody. The people that do, do, which is why it was the poor, poor man's drink. drink. Yeah. I must be a poor woman's shopper because <laughs> I like the bargains. Yeah, some people chase it around. But for this reason, Mr. Al Steele, which was an executive at Coke that left to go work for Pepsi. Ooh. He said, <laughs> we have to take Pepsi out of the kitchen and into the living room. Wow. And what that meant was, you know, again, the example of in the kitchen, they would pour Pepsi out of the Pepsi bottle so you didn't know it was actually Pepsi. Right. And move it into the living room where it was more acceptable. Where, you know, the so, image was better. Right. So he took their marketing efforts and tried to make it a little more refined. Now, they did it gradually, but uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you an early uh radio spot play you an early radio spot uh that stated how they were trying to make pepsi more socially acceptable thirsty people everywhere prefer ice cold pepsi cola and because it's light it refreshes without filling charlie be sociable i am Kay. <laughs> pepsi is a favorite of thirsty people from maine to hawaii from alaska to florida charlie it's perfect for parties or picnics Shut so up, serve please. pepsi to your guests that's helpful but this is the sociable part. Keep plenty of Pepsi ice cold and ready. Remember, it goes fast because everybody likes Pepsi. Singing still sounds more inviting. May I? Be sociable. Look for Keep up to date with Pepsi. Do you mind if I sing? Drink like refreshing Pepsi. Sometimes it's better Stay if I just sing my opinions. Be sociable. How come we don't sing our answers anymore? 
But singing doesn't say, pick up an extra carton of Pepsi today. Better yet, get a case. You do that. You do. Shut up, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> so the ads were not great, no. but he showed the drive to make change. If they were going to compete, they had to change what they were doing. Now, after the war, Pepsi jumped all in with the usage of TV advertising. Now, TV was brand new. Yeah. So here's a TV spot of that same campaign where they're trying to make Pepsi more socially acceptable. More sociable. Shut up, Charlie. Be sociable, look smart Keep up to date with Pepsi Drink light, refreshing Pepsi Stay young and fair and ever Be sociable, have a Pepsi So you that can, is terrible. You can see <laughs> that the what they're trying to do is make the um, more affluent people right. show that they're drinking Pepsi and it's socially acceptable. It's not just so Brad's these drink. Are, yeah. So these are, you know, people's parents, people that have had a job for a while. That's the, the target that they're going after. Same as Coke. And um, it's trying to say that, hey, don't be ashamed of Pepsi. This, you know, CEO is drinking Pepsi. You could drink Pepsi. So that's the that's the idea. It's like, hey, I bought these shoes at Payless. No shame. That's what that is. <laughs> now, if you remember, Coke had locked up the veteran and their family's market mm -hmm. with their military programs coming out of World War II. Absolutely. So Pepsi tried and tried, but was failing in this same market space using those same demographics so the people that you just saw in that ad were the same people that coca-cola was winning the people that had just come away from the war come out of the war and were all in tied into the loyalty of coca-cola because they supported them Pep yeah pepsi was Coke trying was to go after these with patriotic yeah Co pepsi was going after these same people and they were losing so by the 60s pepsi changed their focus and went after the younger generation and there they stayed Pepsi, the choice of a new generation, ah. which is the same target that they have today. Mm -hmm. What they did is they started showing examples of youth in their ads and saying that if you are like these people, then you are a Pepsi person. Pepsi is for those that think young. Have you noticed, wherever you find fun today, you'll find Pepsi-Cola, light-bracing, clean-tasting Pepsi. The lively crowd today agrees. Those who think young say, Pepsi, please. They pick the right one, please. the modern light one. Now it's Pepsi for those who think young. When you say, Pepsi, please, you're putting yourself among Pepsi. 
those who think young. So now we're now we're going after the Ivy League college student and their yacht clubs and doing the things that they think are are fun and youthful. And ultimately rebellious against the older generation. Right. So now something that's for them. What Coca-Cola was saying at the time was things go better with Mm Coca-Cola. They were still staying with the Coke is good times. Coke things are better with Coca-Cola. So let's watch that one. Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, things go better. see pepsi was basically playing in the same sandbox as coke was but they started to focus on young people only whereas coca-cola was talking about everybody right so in the the first ad that you saw there we had the working class people and the people that own the house that had hired those movers right look what brings us all together yeah coke brings everybody together everything is better you're working hard there's stress with deciding where things go with my house things are so much better when i feel and the movers stole two cokes they did they walked out the door with two cokes that Um, happened so Coke was saying things are better with Coca-Cola. The problem in the 60s is that things weren't better in America. And Pepsi was asking people to choose sides. In a time where America was very divided. Very divided. And Pepsi was asking people to choose sides and Pepsi began taking ground. Understanding that Pepsi was claiming future customers, Coke struck back with the 1971 Hilltop commercial aimed at the youth. It was also tied into Mad Men. It was tied into Mad Men. You guys all know this ad. Those of you that saw Mad Men, there's a little bit of fiction in the, the, you know, uh, Don Draper creating this this commercial. But um, the important thing about this is it addressed the diversity, the hippie culture, in all the, the different types of people Bring that the together. late 60s had brought together. And Pepsi was actually, uh, not Pepsi, Coke was actually the first people to jump into the market and kind of, of do that with this, this ad right here. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I like to teach the world to sing, sing with me.
was sold all over the world. So Coke could do something that a lot of other companies couldn't do, which is talk about the breadth of their, yeah, their customers. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. So they made uh, this commercial, which included literally everybody, all different races, all different walks of life. You know, you had the people that were squares. You had the hippies. You had people from... Um, you know, Asia, people from India, people from all over the place. All speaking English. Uh, well, this commercial was actually remade um, in the more, in you know, once our culture moved more towards PC. And then they, they remade this uh, mm, a little more modernized. Uh, but it was a very, very unifying mm-hmm. commercial. Um, and it did wonders, wonders, wonders for Coke. It, it, it really did a good job. But... In 1975, four years after the Hilltop commercial, Pepsi slapped back. Pepsi was done. With a very aggressive marketing campaign called the Pepsi Challenge. The Pepsi Challenge. Now, the Pepsi Challenge was a taste test that was made public. That's all it was. That takes a lot of stones. Taste, Taste tests have been around for a long time. If you remember... Pemberton and his crew back way in the nineteen early nineteen hundreds were doing or I think it's it was late eight, late eighteen hundreds yeah he was doing taste test taste this you'll like my product right mm-hmm. well that became a normal part of consumer research Pepsi started seeing something and then they made it public and as the youth that they were targeting got older Pepsi began winning market share with this campaign right here. Funny thing about targeting the youth is that they get older and they become older customers. We took the Pepsi challenge to the Canadian National Exhibition. Here's what some of the Coke drinkers said. Commercials on TV are a bunch of hot water. (laughs) 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 Well, I would think I'll be drinking Pepsi. More and more every day, everywhere. Canadians are discovering the great taste of Pepsi. I'm not skeptical. <laughs> not anymore. Take the Pepsi-Cola challenge. Let your taste decide. So, let your taste decide. And mm. Now, by 1984, the campaign had become perfected. And they were only 3% behind Coke. That's huge, actually. And that takes a lot of guts. It does. To, to make, I mean, it was it was a very very successful campaign to bring them up that close. Mm-hmm. America loves controversy, and we love competition. Mm-hmm. This is the taste. This is the test. Pepsi versus Coke, the Pepsi Challenge, Pepsi. and all across America, more people pick Pepsi. Pepsi. Time after Pepsi. time after time. Pepsi Cola. Oh what a time! It's gonna be Pepsi now. If you listen to the lyrics, it is scathing. It's gonna be Pepsi now. Wow, it's basically it should have just been like Pepsi, suck it, Coke. <laughs> well, it was. It's very obvious that you know this was the '80s. Our technology had gotten a lot better, and our fashion had gotten a lot better. That's just so great, though. It's like you, trash campaigns were just so great, and and it that's is this when it all started. At this point, the soda companies began going tit for tat, bottle top campaigns, T-shirt giveaways. They started calling each other out in their ads. They did. Now, I like that. Now, um, their brand positioning 
was different from each other at this point, right? Coca-Cola was all about sharing and community, both global and local. Warm and fuzzies. And Pepsi-Cola was about youth and freedom and choice. Mm -hmm. Edgy. uh, Another thing to notice that was different between the two, Coca-Cola was using athletic stars, championing hard work, just like we saw earlier. The Olympics and things like that. With people that were uh, accomplishing things. So these people that had a job, you know, had had disposable income. People that worked hard. That's something they, they rewarded hard work. Um, they released the Mean Joe Green commercial, which is considered one of the best commercials ever made. Uh, it invoked emotion. It had story inside of the commercial, which was very rare uh, for soft drink commercials. I don't think I've seen time. this one. Oh, this one's famous. You've never uh, seen the Mean Joe. I bet you when you see maybe, it, you'll know it. Maybe. Have I don't you know. have you heard of Mean Joe Green? Mm, yes. You're you may be a little too too young for it. Oh god, that's the sweetest um, thing you've said to me all day. <laughs> but uh, here it is. We'll run it. I just want you to know, I think, I think you're the best ever. Yeah, oh, sure. Want my Coke? It's okay, you can have it. No, no. Really, you can have it. Okay. Coke and a smile makes me feel good. I mean, you can have a sip, Joe. Look at that kid's sad because he's like, I just gave you my whole coke. I was offering you a sip and you drank the whole thing. Jerk. Smart. Take my sweaty jersey. Yeah. It smells like success. Okay. Boys are funny. This <laughs> campaign was so successful that Mean Joe Green was interviewed about how it was to shoot the commercial. That didn't happen. He's like, I got paid. <laughs> that did, that <laughs> didn't happen. Well, he talked about, uh, you know, the behind the scenes of, of how it works and, and how long it took them to shoot it. I had to chug 15 Cokes. <laughs> but, um, but that just shows you how impactful this commercial was that it actually made it into the news networks, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, Mean Joe Green, big athletic star, being interviewed about football, and oh, by the way, how was that Coke commercial? Yeah, and so not to be outdone by all of that, Pepsi was using pop stars and the utopia of youth culture. Their ads featured Michael Jackson. Generation, you love it. 
Cindy Crawford. taking on these great values when it was really just sugar water. It's just sugar water. But they took it even farther. They would spy on each other, like in the Cold War, like when there were deals being made in new territories. There was industrial espionage, buying secrets and misleading each other. Exclusivity agreements across the world in schools, with government properties. It was war. This is very much, you know, Russia versus the United States sort of. It's the feeling in the the country. And I think, you know, Americans themselves love competition. And I think in in times when we feel powerless and we can't do anything, it was a good tactic to make the American public feel like they could have choice in something. There really was so much going on with the Cold War at this time. You remember the the Rocky Four movie? Mm. Same same time period. Rocky, what's that? it, It was, you know, Russia versus... Uh, the United States, which, you know, Coke versus Pe- it all fell in line. Yeah. We're going to take a break for our sponsor here. But as we go into that, in case you missed it, here is the wartime movie reel that we used in the promo for this episode. Enjoy. is brought to you by Reformation Productions, a full-service marketing agency in Atlanta, Georgia, helping companies promote and communicate their business in the most efficient and effective ways possible through straight-line marketing. Find out more by visiting reformationpro.com or call 678-825-8086. Reformation Productions. Think in straight lines. So I'll give you an example that I personally remember of these two kind of going at each mm-hmm. other. In the mid-80s, right, I'm in high school, 
and a young, relatively unknown fashion designer named Tommy Hilfiger made the first ever Coca-Cola clothes collection. So not only were they making, you know, sugar water, soda drinks, but they now started making clothes. Um, This was a line of licensed leisure wear that was anchored by the trend-setting Coca-Cola long-sleeve rugby shirts. Mm. And it was an immediate hit with millions of Americans. I know that I had one. A lot of my friends had them. And it really kicked off Tommy Hilfiger's career. Nobody knew who he was at the time. I know in the 90s he had a big to-do where everybody knew, this wasn't the 90s knew yet. who he was. But um, he started, this was his first kind of claim to fame, fame was making these Coca-Cola uh, clothes. Now, what did Pepsi that do? was being very successful. What did Pepsi do? Well, Pepsi started to make a clothing line oh, what? to compete That's with Coke. Like Anything either one of them had do, any business making clothes. <laughs> Did you know that now, more than 30 years later, Hilfiger and Coke are reuniting to reissue these signature styles with a contemporary look, fusing fashion and pop culture once again? Yep. Yep. He's still around. Yes. So the Tommy Jeans Coca-Cola capsule collection for men and women with reissued pieces from the 80s collection with modern day silhouettes and a new logo that combines Tommy Jeans and Coca-Cola. So in addition to a reimagined uh, take on the classic rugby shirt and the colorful line of sweatshirts, T-shirts, shorts, and sports jackets. This is all about the, the trend that we have because this is, is really, really recent. It's all about the trend that we have that for retro right now. There's, well, I think we've mentioned in earlier po- podcasts, but retro is, is a big thing now. I also think it's still to this day, people equate um, Coca-Cola with a sense of patriotism. Mm. So I think that there, you know, people that will buy up, you know, American flag apparel tend to also like Coke because it's like this classic Americana. Yeah. Cause it's tied in, tied in with, uh, with America. Yeah. 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 So back to the eighties, Woodruff had become, Zachary's always going back to the eighties. Woodruff had become aged and was now really only a figurehead for Coca-Cola, the company. So Roberto Goisueta <laughs> took the reins away from Woodruff mm-hmm. and he vowed to stay number one, no matter what. Mm. So nothing was sacred. And Woodruff quietly died in 1985, in the spring of 1985, at 95 years wow. old. Now, at this point, Coke was losing the war. Yeah, they now, never they thought had, that was possible. They hadn't lost, but they were losing. Okay, they were losing ground. Coke doesn't lose, so, okay? Without their exclusive contracts in restaurants and vending operations, Coke was losing to Pepsi. They were losing in grocery stores already, but they were starting to lose on the forefront as a whole outside of these contracts that they had locked up. So Coke decided to do their own taste test, their own consumer research, and those taste tests revealed that people really did like Pepsi Ooh, better. backfire, backfire. And Coke, <laughs> under new management, flipped out. I think that's a perfect time to make good decisions. Yeah. So they started a new project codenamed Project Kansas. Project Kansas. And it was only known to top executives. High fructose corn syrup. Uh, Yeah. So you can really see, again, the whole tie-in with the the Cold War here. They had code names. Oh, that's so cool. And they had a mission. And their mission 
for Project Kansas was to develop a formula that was better in order to compete with Pepsi. So they based the formula on Diet Coke. So Diet Coke had come out, had taken uh, away the superiority in the diet market away from Tab. So those of you that remember, Tab was based on um, saccharin, Mm -hmm. was the sugar uh, substitute. So Diet Coke was based on, um, I think it was NutraSweet at the time. And so... Diet Coke was very popular, huge, big seller. And uh, in the 80s, there was this huge aerobics explosion. So people were very concerned about fitness, health and fitness Mm -hmm. in the 80s. Very big, you know, make yourself the best that you can be, which includes diet drinks. Mm. So we blame Olivia Newton-John for the entire aerobics. Oh, no, no. We blame Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. Yeah. So they based this Project Kansas on Diet Coke because it was a huge seller immediately when it was introduced. And at the moment, it was number three behind Pepsi and Coke. So you had Coke, Pepsi, Diet Coke. More of their taste tests indicated that people also preferred Diet over regular Coke. So they based New Coke, Project Kansas, on taking out the artificial sweetener from Diet Coke and adding High fructose fructose corn syrup syrup. to make it normal. America's favorite dessert. They ran numerous taste tests to ensure that people liked this new formula over the old. They thought about sneaking it in in the same way that Kraft Mac and Cheese did when they changed the the cheese sauce. Uh, That is for another podcast. If you didn't know that they did that, they did. They just didn't tell you. Some of us noticed it it right away. Uh, But they didn't want to risk it being public. Okay, so they didn't they, want to risk any backlash or anybody. Right. Giving well, their they didn't opinions. want anybody to know what they were doing because they didn't want to give Coke the chance, uh, Pepsi the chance because to do Pepsi the same thing. Pepsi keeps trying to be one step ahead. Right. So uh, it was leaked to the press, but only the day before the press conference was scheduled to announce Project Kansas. Project High Fructose Corn Syrup on April twenty third, nineteen eighty five. Fern Bellingrath, president of the Coca-Cola Bottlers Association, signed approval of the change. There was a dramatic unveiling with street events. Max Hedrum, you remember Max Hedrum? Yes. He was the new ad campaign that, like Pepsi, targeted the youth culture. Hi, this is Max Hedrum's pop quiz. And what I want to know is, swagger, where does the refreshing new phrase catch the wave come from? Pepsi. Obviously, cocologists. Blindfold, please. Huh. Quicker next time. In blind taste tests, which pop drink did more people prefer? The new taste of Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi! Wrong. Mm, I love trick questions. No. Coke. The new taste of Coke. It's true. You heard it here first. Catch the wave. Coke. Obviously, this guy was wow. targeted towards the, the younger. Gosh, it's so funny. I remember people. Max Hedrum, but I totally equate him with Pepsi. Isn't that funny? Yes, that's Maybe it's because he always had Pepsi cans in his ad, like in the ads with Again, him. at this point, they were calling each other out by name. But I think like the more mature audiences were like, oh, there's a Pepsi can in there because they're, you know, saying bad things about Pepsi. But in my youthful brain, I was like, Pepsi, Max Hedrum. Isn't that funny? <laughs> that's anyway. Interesting. Uh, so, I still prefer Coke better. Sorry. So New Coke even had a different, smoother bottle. Nothing was sacred to this Roberto. Bye-bye, bottle. But... Stocks went up, revenues were good, local Coke drinkers kept on drinking. They just 
didn't like it as much or stopped drinking altogether, but they didn't necessarily switch to Pepsi. And then... Dun, dun, dun! The vocal minority took hold. They announced that this was an irrational reaction to Pepsi and began to stampede on the remaining stock of Old Coke. Rollout events became protests with lots of media coverage. Protest songs were written and recorded. We'll call it Drinkers of America. Thank you for participating. Please don't change the taste of Coke. <laughs> Why do you want to fix it? It ain't broke. They can't do it. That's un Why do you want to fix what ain't broke? Letters and essays were written to complain. Songs like that were recorded. And people band together and filed a class action lawsuit against the company. You know, the funny thing about Coke is, before I'm going to jump in, Coke has always been in the business of unifying people. And they unified the people again to revolt against new Coke, which I think is ironic twist. Yeah. Uh, the worst thing yet that could have possibly happened out of this was Don't that say it. Don't Pepsi say it. declared victory. Dun, dun, dun. Now, they gave all of their employees off the day that this was released. That's awesome. And they claimed in their marketing that they had won. So they had celebration Coke, parties Coke, Coke. that were near New Coke's uh, rollout events. And then finally, on July 11th, 1985... Coca-Cola reintroduced Coca-Cola Classic. And this was front page news on most newspapers. Yeah, that's an about big, face. huge, big, huge deal. That's an about face, really. It re- really, really was. Now, New Coke was quietly retired. They should have just called it later. Coca-Cola. Oops, my bad. Yes, yes. Uh, New Coke was retired a few years later, and in 2010, Coke actually Drop the word classic from their packaging altogether. You probably didn't even notice. But if you look <laughs> at this, this was made after 1985 and it just says Coca-Cola. It no longer says Coca-Cola They classic. don't want people to be reminded of this little snafu. So, yeah. So the, the brand, it turns out, is more important than taste. That's amazing. The brand was so important that... It was more important than the actual product itself. And I think it's because Coca-Cola set in motion and became, um, it created this sense of brand loyalty at a time when there wasn't anything that people could cling to. You know, back in World War II and things like that, people didn't have anything. And so when the year started going on and people now had Pepsi to choose from and and everybody wanted, oh, choose your side, choose your side. I think the loyalty still remained with the brand of Coke because they were there first. They were there before anybody. Yeah. Well, people like to choose sides. You give them a choice. They like that. Mm -hmm. I think like people wearing Coca-Cola clothes and stuff. I don't know. There's just a sense of Americana and loyalty and pride. And Pepsi is really like a bite your thumb at the establishment drink, if you ask me. Plus, I believe it was Pepsi that lit Michael Jackson's hair on fire. I'm just going to call that out. We're just going (laughs) to skip right over that. But that kind of happened. Almost killed the king of pop, but whatever. Um, Yeah, I think that Pepsi has always been a flash in the pan. My opinion. Jennifer's opinion only. Sorry for those Pepsi drinkers out there. Uh, I'm from the Midwest where all we have is Pepsi. Um. So I'm alienating all of my people. But, uh, you know, Coca-Cola to me has always been sort of like, you know, the choice of a new generation, sure. But Coke is classic. You're only the new generation for such a brief amount of time. It's a flash in the pan 
And then as you start getting older, your tastes and things change. And I think maybe, you know, you can't drink Pepsi anymore because you're now classic, you know, you're <laughs> more mature. And so I don't know. But, you know, to this day, it's it's still uh, a choice. People still make a choice. So in all of their testing, they left out a very important question, which is, would people care if they took away Coke? They didn't ask that on purpose because it was supposed to be a secret. But that one piece, in light of me taking away what you've loved your entire life, that changes things. I don't want it, but I don't want it to go away. Right. What they asked was, would you buy this new flavor if it were Coca-Cola? And the majority said yes. <laughs> but 10% said no and got angry about the implication. That, I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing. Right? Yeah. Well, the majority of people said yes, but the ones that said no were loud. got mad. Yeah, they were vocal and they were very passionate. And they began to try and convince others in focus groups to actually switch their answer from yes to no also. Yep. And this is exactly what happened when it came to the market. So they had a heads up. Did they consider doing both? Yes, they did consider having both products, but they didn't want to split the Coke fan base because if they split the Coke fan base, Pepsi, General Pepsi, would have become number one by default. And they didn't want to give them that advantage because this is wall. Right. And I mean, we see that in politics to this day. You know, you've got two sides. The, the thing that you don't want to happen is one of those sides to break apart because then it weakens the side. Yes. Now, the biggest mistake I think that Coke made in this is they forgot how good they had been at branding themselves. Coke, again, was part of America's fabric. Now, Woodruff do this. That's yeah. how we got those contracts, government contracts during World War II. But Woodruff was gone, and this new guy didn't, G. didn't understand um, what Woodruff had been fighting for so long, and he didn't he didn't consider it as as valuable, I guess. So after the switchback, Classic Coke started to take over market share from both New Coke and Pepsi, right? So they did end up splitting the two. It doubled the sales rate of Pepsi. So some claim that the taste tests that were given were flawed because the amounts of drink were so small that you couldn't really tell that the drink was too sweet over, mm, over an entire, like a whole can an entire portion. Right. Now, these are the same people that also say that Pepsi was winning because of superior marketing rather than taste. taste. Test. Uh, so they weren't believing mm-hmm. in, in the taste test. But, you know, two years later, the Wall Street Journal did another taste test. And guess what? <gasps> New Coke won again. Ooh. However, when they were told that uh-huh. it was New Coke, yeah? they got mad. No. They got mad at the testers and they and they they pitched <gasps> it because again, Coke was branded so well that people had chosen sides and telling them that they were going against that made them irate. Yes. Yes. People don't like to be told that they're wrong. No. They just don't. So Zachary, what is our straight shot for today? Oh goodness, uh, so much from today, but let me let me break down what I have. I feel like there's a lot of lessons in yeah. Um, the first thing I would say is that hindsight is always twenty twenty. Right. Now Coke had the opportunity to buy up the the company that would become their number one competition, and they missed out. 
they were likely being emotional, egotistical, headstrong. Uh, so my advice in, in this situation would be to always keep a clear head when making business decisions. Try not to get reactionary. M- mistakes are, are going to happen. Hindsight is twenty twenty. You're always going to be able to see what you should have done. But in the moment, uh, my advice would be try not to be emotional, egotistical, or headstrong when you're making a, a business decision yeah, because to, it can backfire. Not to be reactionary and to be more comfortable and rest in the brand that you've created. Yes. Um, now, probably the biggest takeaway from today's episode is the story of Pepsi as the underdog. They tried and Everybody tried an and underdog. tried again and slowly began taking ground away from Coca-Cola. They were first to market with the 12-ounce size, which is now given away to the 20-ounce size, mm-hmm. which is probably going to give away to the 30-ounce size. The bladder bluster at yeah. 7-Eleven. Um, but they were first to the market with that. They found the differentiators to champion themselves that were different from Coke's. They found what their niche was, and then they they found that it was working, and so they, they dug in. Um, they found that their consumer research was marketable and added it to their campaign of being youthful, and they never gave up. They did not. No. Just constantly at the heels. Death right? a thousand paper cuts. So uh, the, the advice here, do your due diligence, stay in the game, innovate, Persevere. Adapt and overcome. Um, the story of, of Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Now, on the Coke side, mm-hmm. I would say always compete. They did not take their um, their ranking, their being number one, or their being attacked lying down. They, they were always in the game, always competing, even though they were winning. Um, the next thing I would say is don't be scared. Mm-hmm. Stay level-headed. I think their Don't enemy, get bullied. <laughs> their enemy scared them, and then they made rash decisions. Pepsi tried so to bully them stay, a little. Yeah, stay, stay level-headed. And ask the right questions. Always measure your brand and trust your history. Yes. Always look back at what you've done mm-hmm. and use that to feel comfortable in decisions moving forward. Now, this is big picture stuff here. Okay? Yeah, have confidence in yourself. And then the other thing that I think that they did well is don't be afraid to course correct with as much dignity as possible. Absolutely. Which they did by reinventing or reintroducing Coca-Cola Classic. So lessons from both <laughs> sides of, the, oops, my bad. of the, the Cola Wars there. Uh, now, for both of them, what came out of this? Cola Wars are now famous. It's a great story, right? When we told you we were doing an episode about Cola Wars, you knew exactly what we were going to be talking about. And both sides came out. Winners. It's basically our favorite war. There, yeah, but they're both sides are are now huge, big. Yeah, usually big when companies. you have war, you don't you don't have both sides are winners. Yeah. So this is something that was very very part of America. <laughs> it's wonderful. Okay, in the next episode, we'll be closing out lessons of Coca Cola. Oh, series. we have one more in the series. Yes, we're doing a walk through this. This next episode, we're going to be doing a walk through some of the most creative campaigns throughout the years. From this Coke, is going to yeah. be fun for the, our viewers and listeners because, you know, no matter what your generation is, no matter how old you are listening to this podcast, is you either remember these, you lived through these, mm-hmm. or you've just heard about them, or you missed them. Oh, yeah, you miss them. <laughs> so be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts, or you can download the Straight Shot Marketing podcast app from your smartphone's app store, 
Or you can text the word reformation, that's reformation, to 90210, and we'll send you text notifications every single time a new episode is released. Now, I know that a lot of our audience consumes our content without actually subscribing. Yes. Um, But, and that's okay. We're glad that you're listening to the podcast. We're glad that you're enjoying them. But just remember that the simple act of subscribing really does help on the administrative end with Google and whatnot, and it helps keep our podcast on the air. It does. A lot of people don't don't realize that. You know, uh, you watch this goes for any YouTube channel that you watch. If you you watch the show, you enjoy the show. It's it's great. Really, they we we make it for you. Whoever it is you're watching the the mm-hmm. YouTube, they make it for you. But Google only recognizes it. Google owns YouTube, only recognizes it if you hit that subscribe button. Yeah. So it's a technicality. You know, I know we're available all over the place, not only YouTube, but, mm-hmm. you know, Apple Podcasts and and we're also on Google and everywhere. Right. I mean, so can... there's tons of places to subscribe, but uh, it literally makes an administrative difference if you subscribe. Now, we do have a Patreon page as well. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, that would be awesome. We have different levels of yes. uh, giveaways and swag that we can give away. But if you're not interested in committing anything financially, the simplest thing that you can do is just like and subscribe. Share. That really, really helps us. Yep. Share, tell people about it. If there's another small business owner that you know, um, send them our way. You know, send them the podcast. Let's see if they can get something out of it and so forth. And don't forget to comment on all of our promo videos in yes. our social media accounts. We have social media accounts all over the place. We have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and we have LinkedIn. Um, we do have LinkedIn. Anytime you see our promos, please feel free to enjoy them, share them, and like them. So that way we know if we're uh, entertaining you as much as we think we are. We're entertaining ourselves, <laughs> but remind us that we're entertaining you as well. Let us know what you think of them. Until next time, bye. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast informative, we hope you'll pass along our web address, straightshot.net to your friends, colleagues, and business associates. And please leave us a positive review on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash straightshot. If you would like to have your question featured on the show or would like to be a guest, call 678-825-8086, extension 300, or you can email us at info at straightshot.net. Be sure to download the Straight Shot Podcast app on your smartphone to hear previous and new shows. This has been Straight Shot.